0: Please turn with me to the book of Jude. So you go to the the last book Revelation and turn left. Jude. Chapter 1. The only chapter in this little but underrated epistle. His original intention, if you notice, was that he wanted to write about the common salvation, verse 3. But there was an emergency. He says, It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And So this is a, a very serious epistle to those who were threatened by false teachers false doctrine and I'm going to to uh, go a little bit forward and and read beginning with verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. What they know naturally is brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kori or Korah. So you have three apostates there mentioned in verse 11 Cain, Balaam, and Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you. Might be referring to the fact that some of these apostates join at the Lord's table. Feeding themselves without fear, not taking the caution to make sure that we examine ourselves before we come to make sure that we're right with God. They're clouds that are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Such horrible descriptions. Justifiably so for those who are apostates and false teachers. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And perhaps a surprising prophet is mentioned. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, Prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Notice one, two, three, four times. They are described as ungodly. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own, again, ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is, at His coming unto eternal life and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments spotted by the flesh now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever Our text is found in verse number 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. Our subject this morning is Christ is coming again. We have been taking these uh, topical studies in eschatology and in soteriology, the study of salvation, since the uh, since Easter Sunday, and speaking of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, of his post-resurrection appearances, of his ascension, of his coronation, of the fact that Jesus is sitting as prophet, priest, and king at the right hand of God and now we come to the second coming of the Lord Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament and by our Lord himself we read of these Olivet discourses on eschatology the second coming of Jesus in Matthew 24 Mark 13 and Luke 21 And there's no doubt that they are convincingly teaching us that Jesus Christ is coming again. The Lord cometh. What an early prophecy. Enoch is found way back in the book of Genesis. Remember, he was the one who walked with God and then one day... He walked, his next step was into heaven. God took him and he didn't die. But he didn't, he didn't prophesy of the first coming. He looked past the, uh, the mountaintops of Christ's first coming. He looked beyond to see His second coming. That's what it's referring to. He prophesied not of the Lord coming as a babe, not coming to Bethlehem, but coming in the clouds. Coming with ten thousands of His saints. And that could include the angels. The, ones, the word saints is holy ones. Enoch prophesied this. Often we're snared by the question, when is Jesus coming? When we should be poised that Jesus is coming. As He said in recorded in Acts 1, not for us to know the times or the seasons, but that He is coming. This same Jesus, you remember the angel told the, the gawking disciples, this same Jesus shall come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. Jesus is in heaven waiting as it were, until he saves his last elect. 2 Peter 3.9 suffering to usward, not willing that any of us, is the idea, should perish, but all of us should come to repentance. He's letting Satan deceive the world one last time and to raise up this man of sin, the Antichrist, as 2 Thessalonians 2 indicates and as John says, about the Antichrist. Jesus is going to get the last laugh. He will get the last word. The final blow. But Jesus is coming again while the devil is setting up his Antichrist to deceive the world. Jesus, the true Christ, is saving sinners and welcoming saints who die in the Lord. Jesus has been ascended and coronated for over 2,000 years. He is reigning. He is being worshiped. He is building his church. He is subduing his enemies. He's imprisoning his adversaries. He's welcoming his saints. But he's poised to come again. He's poised to come again. And we can be lulled to sleep by the fact that he's long suffering, that he hasn't come yet. You and I need to be as those that are on the edge of our seats. Those that are waiting for their Lord, as Jesus said. That We're waiting for Him to come. And we're busy while we're waiting. Waiting is not a passive thing. Wait on the Lord is an active thing. We're serving Him. We're worshiping Him. But our eye is always staying up. As we read this passage and and other passages on his second coming, I want to make these conclusions. Jesus' second coming will be surprising in nature. Surprises are good, aren't they? It's shocks that are scary. You ever had a surprise waiting for you? Or surprise flowers for the women, a surprised, um, what are we looking forward to? A, su- a surprised candy? A surprise card? But the Lord teaches us that His coming will be surprising even to us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 The day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Oh, they they surprise people, don't they? During the night some people have been surprised by thieves. Used to be that you could leave your front door unlocked. Matthew twenty four Jesus said, But of that hour of that day, excuse me, and hour knows knoweth no one, not the angels of heaven, neither the Son of Man. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. It will be a surprise. And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Behold, Enoch says, Behold, the Lord cometh. It's a surprise. He appears. Behold, we read together earlier, He cometh with clouds and every eye shall see Him. The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. And He cautions us, as found in Mark, lest coming suddenly He find you sleeping. Let's not be sleeping spiritually. Ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. That is, the lost. But it is a surprise, even you and me. When is Jesus going to come? We don't know. Even though we may believe there are events to still take place that technically we may not believe in an instant a, 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 a uh, present appearance that doesn't hinder our service, our expectation, because you and I can be taken in a second. Just a second. At the week of prayer, John Greer, minister in Northern Ireland at Balamoni Free Presbyterian Church, reported that a Roman Catholic man who had been saved and was attending his church. He had seen him the Sunday before, just a couple days before he reported this. He was at the prayer meeting the night before, his associate told him. And the man on Thursday morning just dropped dead. Just dropped dead. You need to pray for that family. The sister is saved and she wanted the minister in Ballymena to conduct the funeral but the family rose up and in anger said absolutely not the priest will have the service well the devil doesn't have that man's soul and you need to pray that the Lord might give favor to the sister and to the minister of balamonia where the family can hear the gospel but the devil's mad he couldn't He couldn't keep that man's soul, and he wants the others. He wants to keep the others from the gospel. But that man left this world unexpectedly, and so, yea, the coming of the Lord is a surprise. Whether it's we meeting Him by our going, our death, or Him coming when that time comes close, it will be a surprise. May you and I. Keep that in mind. The second coming of Jesus will be a surprise. Secondly, it will be spectacular in nature unlike His first coming. His first coming was was quiet, reserved. You remember when He was born in Bethlehem. A few were given the privilege to see Jesus the babe, the lowly shepherd, but the second coming will be spectacular. For the lightning. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He will come with clouds. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. His second coming will be surprising and spectacular in nature. What a day that will be when the King when the king exits heaven. And the whole world will see this, whether it's during the night or in the morning or in the afternoon, depending on what place in the world. It seems like the Lord's going to turn the sun upon the whole world at that moment when he returns. It will be spectacular. Thirdly, it will be saving. Then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It will be saving in nature. Even so, come Lord Jesus. What did Jesus say to His disciples? I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He speaks of two will be in a field, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. And how often people who think that there's a rapture will say, well, the ones that are taken are the believers, and the ones that are left are the unbelievers. When he goes on to speak of the, 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 the flood in Noah's day, and the, the fact that they were simply eating and drinking in Lot's day, who were taken in Noah's flood? Taken away. The lost were taken. It was the believers that remained. The ones that are taken are the lost at the judgment day. As Jesus spoke to the disciples, where the vultures are, so will the bodies be. But You and I will be left in Christ. Meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus will save His people completely when He returns. There will be no empty mansions, nor will there ever be any empty dungeons. As we studied in Sunday school today about God's election, it's final, it's firm, it's, Jesus will save His people from their sins. The Bible recognizes that when Jesus comes, it will be horrifying, it will be shocking in nature. Shocking, shocks are not so good. Have you ever been shocked by an event? Shocked by a tragedy? Shocked by the appearance of someone who sees us doing what we shouldn't? Have we ever been caught by a parent, by someone saying or doing something that we know wasn't right? I remember when my parents, shockingly, discovered that I was inebriated their youngest child overcome with alcohol it was 1 in the morning i thought they were asleep there was no way that i could i could i could just slip in and not be discovered there they were at the front door it will be shocking for some for as a snare shall it come upon all that dwell upon the earth in righteousness he doth judge and make war for when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape and fire came down from heaven and fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. That day shall overtake them as a thief. 1 Thessalonians 5 4. As the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and knew not until the flood came, and there it is, took them all away. But do you notice? There were good things that they were doing. It doesn't read, which is certainly going to be true. In the days of Noah, they were were getting drunk and they were swearing and blaspheming. Yes, there were many that were sinning, but it says they were doing normal things that every person does. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And as it says in the days of Lot, they were buying and selling, planting and harvesting just going about their business and when the flood came it it took them all away in other words there may have been a wedding happening and the bride and groom were swept away as it were it began to rain upon their wedding. It began to rain when people were eating and drinking outside, making purchase of land, planting seed. Judgment came. So shall it be in our day. People will be conducting business, taking walks, brushing their teeth, having dinner at a restaurant, playing soccer, When the Lord Jesus will come with ten thousands of His saints. What a shock. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Two will be on the the, uh, conveyor. Two will be in the factory and, and on opposite sides of the conveyor belt. One will be taken and the other left. Two will be playing basketball. One will be taken and the other left. Two will be walking together on the track and one will be taken and the other left. Let not that day shock you or me. As the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Think about that. There will be two Carpenters working on a home, one will be taken and the other left. There will be classrooms full of people, and students will be taking tests, and one will be taken and the other left. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Again, like the days of Noah. They were exchanging wedding vows and it began to rain, not water, but fire and brimstone. Even there shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. He will execute vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? There are other passages that say He will take vengeance on those who are liars and false teachers. But it says in Thessalonians, simply because the, the Lord will take vengeance on them that just do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. But I don't steal. I don't murder. I don't lie. Do you know God? Well, I'm not religious. If you know not God, you will be objects of God's vengeance. If you obey God's Word, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That obey not God. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will be shocking and horrifying. There will be people that say, not yet. Not yet. I remember listening to someone that was young and discovered that she had cancer. and You know what her response was? I don't have time for this. I'm busy. I've got many things to accomplish. I don't have time. I don't have time to go to the hospital every day. Of time to meet God. It will be shocking. Lastly, as we anticipate Judgment Day, it will be stage setting. The second coming of Jesus sets the stage for judgment. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels, then, notice, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. In other words, it's setting the stage for Judgment Day. He comes and and the angels divide the sheep from the goats. But what happens then? They're all summoned. As He meets us in the air, He returns to glory and sits at the right hand of God wherever that great white throne judgment takes place. Then, He will sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. See, to the believers... The second coming is a, is a stage setting for His judgment, and all will be there. All will be there. It's Jesus who shall, the word "shall" in Second Timothy four one, who is about to judge the living and the dead. It is appearing, and His kingdom. He will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels but going on to say, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel prophesied of the second coming and the judgment. One like unto the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and there was given unto him dominion. Concludes the judgment day. The Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment. He looked not only to the second coming, but to the judgment day. Both are found in that statement. The Lord comes and the execution of judgment. And fire came down from God out of heaven. And oh all that, that awesome passage in Revelation 20 and verse 11, and I saw a great white throne And Him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Small and great. The small, the insignificant ones, the anonymous ones. He saw them, but He saw the great. He saw the kings and queens, the wealthy, the famous the actors and actresses. He saw them all, the lost. They were great in the eyes of men. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to his works death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But listen to the last words, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 1 Thessalonians 4 isolates the saved at the coming of Christ. Revelation 20 isolates the lost. Jesus is coming again. The Lord cometh. Maranatha is the word. The Lord comes. Maranatha, and at the same time, it says the Maranatha is the the reaction of the law of the saved. Lord come, but Paul goes on to say, as we see in First Corinthians chapter sixteen. If any man loved not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, cursed. So the two big words there, anathema and maranatha. So you see, the lost receive the indictment, anathema. The saved cry, maranatha. They look forward. We look forward to the coming of Jesus. Because he took our curse for us. He was cursed in our place. You've been studying Genesis, and what is conspicuously absent when the Lord speaks to Adam is, Cursed art thou. That's conspicuously present with the serpent. Thou art cursed. But aren't you and I so grateful? that he didn't say to Adam thou art cursed he said cursed is the ground and he goes on to speak of the fact that the seed of the woman will be cursed in our place Jesus tells us to be ready make sure we have oil make sure we have the holy spirit make sure we're found loving one another be ready For such an hour as you think not, so the Son of Man comes. But not only be ready, be excited to be able to say in one of the last words of the Bible, one of the last words of the Bible, not only surely I come quickly, I come soon about the second coming of Jesus. And He says, Amen. Are we able to say, Amen? But are we excited enough to be able to say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready, Lord. I do have the Holy Spirit. You have forgiven my sins. You've been cursed in my place. I'm trying day by day to have short accounts with sin and to confess and forsake my sins and pray for others to forgive me and pray for me. I think I'm ready, Lord. I need more readiness and Lord I want to be excited. I want to be able to with a heart to to echo to join with John even so come Lord Jesus. And I don't think he was saying that simply because he wanted a relief from being a prisoner on the island of Patmos. But that John was ready. He was missing his his comrades, his companions. He was missing Peter he was missing his brother James. He hadn't seen him for now over 60 years. He was wanting to see his Savior to be in glory. The only way we can be ready and excited is the last verse of the Bible, "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Oh friend, are you ready? for the coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, you may say, and be doctrinally correct, it's not going to happen soon. The man of sin has to be revealed. There have to be more wars and and rumors of wars. But you and I know it's just a heartbeat. We're just a heartbeat away. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Jesus is coming back. We'd love to be here when he comes. But sometimes it's a cop out to pray, oh, joy or delight if we go without dying. No sickness, no sadness. We can't escape that. Can we not prove the grace of God when we're sick and we're sad? When we're crying? If we go without dying, then we won't have that opportunity to prove His grace on our deathbeds. But God is sovereign. If you and I remain until the coming of the Lord, what a blessing that will be. But don't expect not to be sick or to cry. If we live long enough, we're going to cry some more. We're going to attend some more viewings and funerals. We're going to get sick. Let's prove the Lord. But I know this, we're but a heartbeat away from seeing Jesus. Be ready. Be excited. Make sure you're in Christ. Friend listening this morning, are you in Christ? Please, make your calling and election sure. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Maranatha. Jesus is coming. Thank You. Thank You, Lord, how You wrap up everything in Your Word right to the very end, including Your coming and Your judgment, the, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth, and to be forever with the Lord. You haven't missed anything, Lord. Your word is perfect; it's complete. No, Lord, we get we get wrapped up in the timing. I pray that we would be concerned about being ready and hastening even the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ by our obedience, by our, our, our evangelism, by pointing people to Thee, Lord. The world is so hardened and yet we find our own hearts hardened because iniquity and lawlessness abound. The love of the many is waxing cold. And Lord, it's affected the church. We read how You warned the Ephesians that they had left their first love. Lord, we read of the, the hardness of the heart even among Your people. And we know it day by day. Revive us, Lord. How can we be hardened? when Your coming is so soon, when our going is sooner than we think, when there are lost souls to be saved, that there are backslidden believers away from You that have neglected public worship and are not ready. And those, Lord, that are deceived to think that they're in Christ and yet they're they're lost. Oh God, please visit us. Send a gracious revival. Thank you Lord for your promise. Please let these truths sink down into our souls to live moment by moment with eternity in view. To whom shall we go for thou hast the words of eternal life? Hear our prayers. Save our lost ones, Lord. Answer answer our cries. Do mighty things. Shake us, Lord, to the core. For we have deceived ourselves. Awaken lost souls. Awaken our lost loved ones. Complete our homes. Oh, Lord, shake those in our homes that are thinking that they can get to heaven on our hanging on to our coats, hanging on to our apron strings, thinking that our salvation will be a ticket for them. Oh, Father in heaven, with Thy fear in them to flee from the wrath to come and to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ who's coming again. We pray in His name. Amen.